0: Continue our mentor series. Last week we talked about Moses and Joshua, and what we're doing is we're looking at stories in scripture of mentorship, places in scripture where, where people mentored other people. And last week we looked at Moses and Joshua, and I wanted to update you on something. See, I told you last week that, that when we preach sermons, the, it, it's like it comes to life. Um, in my own life. And so last week, we, we were talking about Moses and talking about what God was doing there. And, and we experienced a plague of flies. If you weren't here, um, last week, Saturday night, I'm watching some TV before I go to bed. I'm looking over the story of Moses. And all of a sudden, I start noticing flies in my living room. And so I start killing them. And then I just notice more and more. And I think like over the course of a couple of days, we killed like 40 flies. Um, So, just to update you, I I had a lightsaber, my Jedi lightsaber. It's one of those little tennis rackets that you press a button and it electrocutes them. And and I want you to know that the forces of good triumphed over the forces of evil in those flies. They're all gone, as far as I know. haven't seen any in several days. And so that's good news. The bad news today is that when I preach things, they come alive. And here today, we're, we're talking about a story of two pregnancies, which in my family, in my world, that's a little bit scary, because we've had a lot of children, and I'm not really on board for another one of those, so hopefully that one doesn't, no, you guys really aren't excited to be here and with me, are you? Geez, okay. All right, tough crowd. Well, last week we looked at Moses and Joshua. We looked at a few things. Number one, we looked at in Moses' life and Moses' calling. God called Moses, God equipped Moses, and God sustained Moses. So we were looking at a scoreboard, God's work versus Moses' work, and it was three God, Moses zero. God called, God equipped, God sustained and then we looked, the ultimate point that we got to last week, we, we didn't really get into the nitty-gritty of mentorship yet, but the whole point of last week that we got to was that we are called to steward God's work in our lives. So Moses, even though it says in Scripture that he was one of the greatest leaders ever and there were none other like him, Moses understood that it was not him, but it was God's work in him, and Moses was a faithful steward of God's work and God's gifts in his life. And so, when it came time to go into the promised land, and God said, I'm sorry, Moses, it's not going to be you that takes the people, Moses was okay and passed it along to Joshua because this wasn't about Moses, he was just a steward of what God had given him. At the heart of mentorship, this is important, at the heart of mentorship, this idea of mentorship, at the heart of our faith is the idea that we are not working alone. We are not by ourselves on this journey. When God calls us, when God works in our life, whether we're talking about God calling us to a faith whether we're talking about God calling us to a place of leadership, whether we're talking about God calling us to a specific task, when God is working in our lives, it's not just about us. What we'll see throughout all the stories in Scripture is that when God works in one person's life, it works along with what God's doing in other people's lives, because serving God is not an individual endeavor. It's not something we do on our own. God equips us through mentorship and partnership with others. This is so important. We've gotta get this, church. There are far too many followers of Christ who are trying to do it on their own, who are trying to live their faith on their own, who are trying to lead on their own. There are far too many people that are looking at God's work in their life as if it's just about them. But following God's calling is not just about us. It's about what God's doing all around us. It's about partnering and mentoring others. And so, we talked about last week, God called Moses, God equipped Moses. One of the ways that God equipped Moses was by providing Aaron. Moses said, God, I can't speak. I'm not a good enough speaker to lead. And God equips Moses with Aaron who could speak for him. When it was time for Moses not to enter the Promised Land, God had equipped Moses with a capable leader that could come behind him and lead the people, Joshua. And so, we're in this together. If God is working in your life, if God is calling you, whether it's to faith, leadership, a specific task, it's not just about that, but God is at work all around us and the people around us. And it all works together for the building of God's kingdom. And so we're looking at the story of Mary and Elizabeth, and Elizabeth's mentorship of Mary. And so we're gonna start in Luke 1, and let me just catch you up here. This is usually the story that we would read around Christmas time. But what's happened is an angel of the Lord has come to a young virgin girl, and and has come to her and said, "'You are going to be the mother of the Messiah.'" of the Savior, the Messiah that people have been waiting for for years and years and years and years. You, Mary, are going to be the mother. Now that's problematic for Mary because she's a young virgin girl. But the angel comes and says, you will be the mother of the Messiah. Mary responds about like most of us would respond and says, what are you talking about? How can that be? How is that possible? And so Luke 1 verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. So, so Mary is questioning, how could this be? The angel says, this is what God's calling you to, Mary says, I don't get it, how can that work? And the angel's response is two things. Number one, it's going to be the Holy Spirit's power at work in you that makes this happen. But there's a second thing, and I don't think this is an accident. The angel of the Lord says, by the way, your relative Elizabeth, who was unable to conceive in her old age, is going to have a child. She's going to have a child. And so so Mary, who is by herself, who is hit with this crazy calling, is told that God's going to work it out through the Holy Spirit. And by the way, God is working in somebody else's life, Elizabeth's. And so, so right away, I, I think there's a couple reasons that the angel told Mary that. I think, number one, the angel tells Mary that because the angel wants Mary to believe what the angel has said, what God is calling her to. But I think there's another thing. I think that when God works and calls one person, and God is at work in another person, those two are to work together together for the building of the kingdom. And so I don't think it was just about believing. I think that God was putting Mary and Elizabeth together to walk this journey of faith and calling together. And so so Mary asked, how could this be? And the angel says, the power of God, because God calls, God equips, God sustains, and there's someone else who's walking this journey with you. See, when God works in our lives, it's not a separate thing. We're not walking our faith on our own. You have the blessing, the ability, the, the opportunity to share your journey of faith with people all around you. So what does Mary do? Verse 39, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And the next part of Scripture, I'm not going to read it to you, and it's not going to be on the screen, but is Mary's response there. It's called Mary's Song. But then after that, verse 56, there's this simple line. It says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So, what we see here is that an angel of God comes to a young virgin girl, Mary, and gives her this huge calling, this huge announcement of God's calling in her life that she will be the mother of the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, and then Mary hears about Elizabeth through the angel, and so Mary's response is to go and partner with Elizabeth. And this is crazy what happens. Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting and hears and knows that God is at work. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to look at three things that we learn from the mentoring relationship between Elizabeth and Mary. The first thing is this. It all starts, mentoring all starts with God's work in your life. Mentoring starts by God working in your life. See, you cannot mentor someone towards God if you haven't experienced God's work. You can't teach what you don't know. You can't point to what you can't see. And so so God's work mentoring starts with what God is doing in you. See, Elizabeth has been prepared by God, by the work of the Spirit, To be able to mentor Mary. it's, it's, It's what God's doing in her life that allows her to lead and mentor Mary. Some of our greatest opportunities for mentoring come out of the experience and the work that God's done in our lives. If God's done something in your life, that's something that can be used, can be stewarded. To mentor others. Earlier in the story, Luke 1, verse 25, Elizabeth says, The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. See, Elizabeth was totally aware that God had done work in her life. She says it was God that did this. She was totally aware that it was God at work. See the scoreboard, God 3. Elizabeth zero because God was doing a miraculous work in her life which prepared her prepared her for mentoring Mary not that the work that God did in her life wasn't important but it was part of the journey that she would partner and share with others See, she was aware that no word from God will fail. We read that a little bit ago in the story. No word from God will fail. How was she aware of that? Because God had come to her husband, Zachariah, and said, your wife, who is unable to conceive, is going to have a son, and here she is, six months pregnant. She can mentor, she knows, because she's experienced it. And so I want to ask you a question. What has God done in your life, what way has God worked in your life that you could use to mentor someone else? If God has done something in your life, whether whether it's a miraculous thing or whether it's bringing you through a difficult time, whether it's helping you in your faith, giving you a position of leadership, what is it that God has done in your life that could be used to pour into somebody else? That's the first question. The second thing is that it's not just that Elizabeth had experienced God's work, but Elizabeth recognizes God's work in Mary. When we are tuned into the work of the Spirit, when we are tuned to the Spirit, we will recognize the Spirit's work in others. This is important. When we are tuned into God, we're going to see God's work. It says that Mary came to the house and greeted Elizabeth. It doesn't say that Mary walked in the door and says, I'm pregnant. It just says that she greeted her and Elizabeth immediately was filled with the Spirit and knew that God was working in Mary's life. Because when we're in tune with the Spirit, we can see God's work. There's a story in Star Wars, I I told you I'm not like a diehard Star Wars fan and and you guys may not recognize these names. I had to go look them up myself. But there was a story that I remember from episode one of Star Wars where Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi, two Jedi, are, are in a town and they run into Anakin who is a main character. He doesn't turn out to be such a great character in the story, right? But they recognize that there's something different about this boy. They recognize it. Now, it's not hard to recognize when there's something different about somebody else, right? We do it all the time. Like we can see like there's something different about that one over there. Some of you could probably look at the person next to you and say, there's something different about them, right? We can see when there's something different or when something's happening, but do we recognize what it is that's happening? See, Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi not only saw that Anakin was different, but they understood that it was the force at work in Anakin. Why? Because they were in tune with the force. See, if you're in tune with something, you can recognize it and see it. And so as followers of Christ, when we're in tune with the Holy Spirit and the work of God, we will see it at work in in others. And so, so there's another principle that I want to share with you. How many of you have ever bought a new car? Okay, we got a lot of walkers in here, all right. Um, How many of you have ever thought about buying a new car? Okay, this happened in the first service too. More people bought new cars than thought about buying new cars, That's interesting. How many of you are just asleep and not raising your hand no matter what I say? Okay, yeah, all of you, cool, really great. Here, here, there's this principle that's at work, and if you've ever thought about buying a new car, if you've ever bought a new car, you'll recognize this right away. So two weeks ago, we're getting ready to go on vacation, and Megan and I start a conversation about what car we would wanna get next. What would be our next car? Not that I'm thinking of buying a car, but we just started the conversation. We were in the car, we had plenty of time. And so I came up with the idea that I would wanna buy a Toyota 4Runner. I've always liked them. The strangest thing happened. All of a sudden, everywhere around me, there were forerunners. I'm not kidding. I would park in a parking lot, and right next to me would be a forerunner. I'd be driving down the interstate, and pulling up next to me would be a forerunner, and all of a sudden, I became totally aware that there were forerunners all around me. Now, listen. I don't believe that there was a miraculous flocking of forerunners, it's not like I was surrounded by them, but I noticed the forerunners because I was thinking about and focused on forerunners. See, when we, we often see what we're looking for. Let me give you another example, this one's a little bit more fun. So other people's kids, right? Maybe, maybe some of your kids, I don't know. Like. When when a kid is prone to misbehave, so we've got a few of those in, in my family, we tend to look for that behavior, don't we? Especially if it's somebody else's kid that's prone to misbehave. Let's say we're at a baseball game and there's another kid that's usually misbehaving. We never miss it when somebody else's kid does something wrong, especially when we know that they're gonna do something wrong, right? We can notice that. But when our kids do the same things, we might miss it. I mean, within my own family, there are a couple of my kids that I notice every time they do something wrong. I've got a couple other kids that sometimes I miss it because I'm just not looking for that. When we're looking for something, we often see it. it. The question is important, where is our focus? Because if we are looking for the work of the Holy Spirit, if we're focused on the work of God, that principle is true. We will see God at work. So, the first question is, what has God done in your life that can be used to steward or pass along to others? The second question is, where are we focused? What are we looking for? As followers of Christ, as the church, as kingdom people, there is nothing bigger for us to be focused in on than the work of God. If we want to be a part of God's kingdom being built, We need to be focused on how God is building His kingdom. And if we'll do that, we will see God at work. God is at work all the time around us. When we're focused on the wrong things, we just miss them. For years, I went to the same barbershop. And I was focused on a few things. How long do I have to wait? How much did I pay? How good was my haircut? That's what I was focused on. I didn't wanna talk, I wanted to get in the chair, I didn't wanna wait, I wanted to get in the chair, I wanted to get a good haircut, I wanted to leave. And all of a sudden, about a year and a half ago, I started to focus on something different. I started to ask God, what are you doing? And I started to see God at work in that barber shop. And it changed everything. All of a sudden, I wasn't so worried about what I was paying or how long I had to wait or where I had to go all of a sudden I was seeing God's work. And so what are we focused on? I wanna challenge us as the people of God to not be focused on other people's kids misbehaving and not be focused on forerunners and not be focused on our career or money. I wanna challenge us to be focused on the work of God because there is nothing more important that we can be a part of than what God is doing, which leads us to the third thing, See, Elizabeth saw God at work in her life, experienced the work of God in her life. Elizabeth recognized God's work in Mary. But the third part of this is really important. And that's that last line. Elizabeth invested in Mary's life and in God's call on Mary's life. It says that Mary stayed for three months. Elizabeth didn't just say, oh, cool, God's doing something. Go on home. I'll see you later. Good luck with that. Elizabeth said, stay, let's let's talk about this, let's work through this. See, if we see God at work in others, if we're looking for God's work and we see it, we need to invest in it with everything we have. If I go to the barber shop and I see God working, I'd better not miss my opportunity to invest in what God's doing there. We far too often are focused on the wrong things But when you see God working, dive into it, invest into it. It's one thing to see it, but we need to do everything we can to make it happen. And so we have Elizabeth who's experienced a miraculous work of God, a great work, a miracle. And it's not just about her because she sees what God is doing in Mary and she invests everything she can in Mary and what God's doing in Mary. I, there's a quote that I love. It's from Andy Stanley. And listen, as a pastor, I would love to be a great pastor. I would love to be a great speaker. I would love to be an effective leader for God, not because, I mean, listen, there, there's the human side of me that just wants to be good at things, but, but I want to do what God has called me to do faithfully. But listen, it's not about me. And what God's doing in me. It's about God's kingdom being built. And Andy Stanley said something that will stick with me forever. He said, your greatest contribution to the kingdom may not be something you do, but someone that you raise. See, the truth is God worked in a miraculous way in Elizabeth's life, and that's a part of the story. But God was doing something so much bigger than just the individuals. And so Elizabeth not only had the opportunity to see God work in her life, but she had the opportunity to invest in the birth of the Messiah. And so they spent three months together. What if we see God working in someone else's life? What if God wants to do something incredible through that person's life? We have the opportunity and the blessing to be a part of it. And so Mary was the one that accepted God's will. It was God that called. It's God that equips. It's God that sustains. Mary accepted it and believed. It says in Scripture that, um, and, and Elizabeth says, blessed is the one who believes. Mary believed it, but Elizabeth was the one that helped her prepare herself for it. And so what we see is what we talked about at the very beginning, that God doesn't just call individuals, but God works in each of our lives so that we can come together to build the kingdom of God. And so we have the opportunity to invest, to be a part of it. And so I wanna ask you the third question and that's this, who can you invest in? Where do you see God working and how can you invest in it? The truth is that there are some of you here today that are more like Mary in this story. Maybe you're at a place where where you're experiencing God working in your life and you need somebody to mentor you and invest in you. Listen, Mary believed what, what the angel said, But she needed Elizabeth to help her, to come alongside her and help her along in her calling. If you are in Mary's shoes today and God is doing something in your life, don't be an individual living on your own. Reach out and find a mentor, somebody that can invest in you and help you. And there are a lot of us in here today that are in Elizabeth's shoes where God has done some great things in our lives. And we need to be aware that God is working in others' lives, and we need to invest ourselves there. So what has God done that you can pass on to others? What has God done that you can pass on to others? Are you looking for the Spirit? Are you focused on God's work? And number three, where can you invest? We're gonna watch a really cool video of someone that's pretty close to us here at the church, and it's a great example, everyday example, of how investing in each other, partnering together for the kingdom can make great things happen. So let's watch together.
1: Good morning, everyone. I have the privilege this morning of telling you a little bit of my story. We're going to go back a long ways in time. I went to college and my major was music. That's because... In my mind, that was the only thing I was good at. So I graduated with a degree in music and went on to become a music teacher. At that time, there weren't a lot of options of what to do with a music degree. I could be a superstar on stage, or I could be a music teacher. So I chose a music teacher. Some years later, uh, fast forwarding, I was living in Texas, married to Brian, had two small kids, one coming later and I, Uh, was not teaching anymore. I had resigned from that job, and I was staying home with my kids, and I had a very, very, very part-time job at a church. I was an eighth music director and an eighth Mother's Day Out director.
2: Hi, I'm Pastor Bob, and uh, after eight years in business as a manufacturer's representative of a furniture company, I was called to join staff as a pastor at the Springdale Church of the Nazarene where i had various duties but then five and a half years later i received a call to be a lead pastor in arlington texas Uh, that was exciting that was different because i had not really thought about that until that point but when i got there i was very excited because i found out i had a staff member i I had this lady who was one-eighth a worship no a music director and one-eighth a mother's day out director so that was fun and what happened from there was a great friendship and a development of both of us that i'm really excited about
1: so when pastor bob came to arlington and became our lead pastor it wasn't too far into that journey that he began talking to me about the idea of ministry full-time ministry of becoming a pastor And I have to say that I had never even thought about that in my wildest imagination, partly because there were no women in ministry back many years ago, (laughs) at least in that area of the country. So um, I was open to that idea and we began talking about it. We began, uh, he began pouring into me, mentoring me, um, teaching me about ministry, teaching me about pastoring. And in that process, through that process, I came to understand that I did have a call to become a pastor.
2: You know, what was uh, evolving in her became very obvious to me because I, I wasn't a great, worship I wasn't a worship pastor and she was extremely gifted in that. But then I started realizing there was more than her music giftedness, but that she cared. And together we started to develop what does worship look like. And so that just began a working together that lasted a long time and it really wasn't intentional mentoring it's not like someone said you start mentoring today it it just started happening and we grew together yeah um, there were some people that weren't sure that uh, there should be a woman as a pastor on the staff but I, i i don't get that i i think it's obvious that god calls men and women from the old testament on and and it was obvious to me that she was gifted as one who cares for people and has pastoral scare skills
1: you know, I think your willingness to stick your neck out on occasion to to fight for me or stand up for me in that position is part of what helped affirm that call in me. You, you thought greater things for me than I had thought for myself, and so um, that was huge in my development as a pastor. So fast forward 30 plus years, we don't want to talk about how many years. <laughs> I have to say that Pastor Bob's mentoring of me um, was so um, deep and effective that it not only mentored me to become a pastor, but it mentored me in my own personal spiritual growth, in my ability to be a mother, a wife, a friend, to be a woman in ministry, and it was just really has one of those, um, you are one of those people who uh, have changed my life. And i'm so grateful for that
2: well pastor deb it was obvious to me that you were gifted and called maybe even before you knew it and probably everyone knows eventually um, i wasn't your mentor you were mine because you were just kind of leading and taking over and so i think one of the great things about mentoring is it's fun it's never been work it's never been You got to do this. It made my job a lot more fun. It it made my life a lot better. And I think we were far more effective together than I would have ever been without you. So I'm appreciative to you, thank you.
1: I I kind of thought of three things that um, I think are important, that were important in that mentoring relationship. One thing that you taught me is to be graceful and grace-filled. Not only grace for myself, but grace for other people and I think I've grown over the years tremendously with you as an example of that secondly um, your model of servant leadership um, has had a huge impact on my life and thirdly I think coming to understand again through your example that the pastor part of my job was much more important than the music part of my job so thanks
2: And for me, thank you for not only being in Arlington, Texas and growing into that, but then you and Brian moved with us to Nashville and then moved with us to Westchester. So mentoring is a great, great thing, not only for me, but for the church, and I trust for the kingdom. Mm -hmm.